Murder. Blood. Suspense. <laughs> what am I going to do? Come to Theatre St. Catherine in Montreal on November 4th, 2014 at 7 p.m. as Old Time Radio Theatre returns. So, this is the scene of the crime. Complete with live sound effects, we bring you the greatest mysteries, suspense, and horror stories ever to grace the airwaves. We want to see you there, so it's only a suggested donation of $8. Travel back to the days of yesteryear with old time radio theater on no more radio welcome to confabulation the podcast i'm matt goldberg the host and producer of confabulation Confabulation is, of course, Montreal's premier all-true storytelling series. Every month we get together and I curate an evening of six all-true stories shared by the people that lived them. Today's podcast is from this past April's Lies My Parents Told Me. Nisha Coleman is a Montreal-based writer, and this is the story she brought to the table. So I was six when my dad pointed to a spider in the corner of the living room and said, if you get bit by one of those, you'll start foaming at the mouth and convulsing, and you could actually die unless you eat a banana, which is why you should always have bananas on hand. (laughs) It did sound absurd. It's a little fucked up, but I wasn't about to test the claim because the last thing he'd said was... If you stick your tongue to that metal pole, it'll get stuck, and someone will have to pour boiling water on it to get it off, and that turned out to be true. (laughs) The thing about my dad was you could never be sure about the shit he said. It was always a little off. It was somewhere between bullshit and kind of true. And the thing about him was that As with most pathological liars, he believed the things he was saying when he was saying it, which kind of made it true. So he would lie with such conviction that neither me nor my younger brother and sister ever had the confidence to question the things that he was saying. So I developed an irrational fear of house spiders and a high regard for bananas. (laughs) I remember he said, kids, If you see a fox or a raccoon that's not afraid of humans, stay away. If it bites you, you'll get rabies. And we'll have to rush you to the hospital as fast as we can and they'll stick needles in your tummy and it'll really hurt. But if we don't get you there on time, it'll be too late. And you'll have to go in a separate room all by yourself while you'll scream like a wild animal and and Mom and I won't be able to be there with you because you'd try and bite us and then we'd get rabies, so <laughs> you would just have to stay there alone until eventually you would die. <laughs> My dad was a painter, so on the canvas he would change reality as he saw fit, and I guess artists kind of do that shit naturally. They change the hue of the sky, they'll throw in an extra building, put in some birds, take out a couple trees, It's natural, and he would do that on the canvas, but he would do it also in real life. So growing up with him was a little bit like growing up in a painting. It was founded in reality, kind of, but there was also an element of fabrication, of 
living in kind of a land of half-truths. And I remember he said to me, Nisha, you might think you know something, but you can't be sure about anything. What's one plus one? And I said, two? And I knew he would prove me wrong, but I was seven and took out a sheet of paper and a pen and a calculator and he went through this entirely long, complicated equation for one plus one. The answer wasn't two. It was in the hundreds. And he said, see, it's not two. Okay, one plus one isn't two. But by then I knew not to repeat that kind of shit at school. I mean, <laughs> the things that dad said at home had to stay at home. But, I mean, I'm sure you've all done it. Fucking with kids' minds is kind of amazing. Like, <laughs> they have this extraordinary capacity to assimilate absurdities, <laughs> right? And their mind can just expand exponentially to, to include no matter what you tell them, because they have to believe the things you say. You are the reference for the world about which they don't know anything. And I think my dad liked that. He liked creating this kind of universe with us where anything was possible and his word was law. <laughs> it just, it doesn't make sense that he was so angry when he found me kissing frogs at the pond, but I don't know. I think what you have to understand about my dad is that the truth to him wasn't something that you could hold on to. It wasn't a tangible thing that you could hang on the wall. It was sort of slippery and it was elusive. You could mold it, you could manipulate it, you could enhance it, you could elaborate it, you could make it up. It's like, uh, it's like Chief Bromden in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's the truth even if it didn't happen. Or David Sedaris, he says, it's true enough. And I remember on our way to see my grandma one time, he said, kids, when you see your grandma this afternoon, I don't want you to stare at her face. She's had an accident. It's all puffed up like a pumpkin. And I remember the relief when my grandma opened the door and there was her smiling, welcoming face of normal size. But then the fucked up thing was that a couple months later we went to visit her again and she was taking a drug called prednisone. One of the side effects is actually f severe facial swelling, but nobody knew about it, so my parents didn't warn me, and when she opened the door and her face was puffed up like a pumpkin, well, I was confused. I mean, here was a thing that my dad had made up and then had later come true, so what did that even mean about the truth and time? I mean, <laughs> well, no. But the worst was when he said, guys, you can't still be mad at me. And it was, I guess it was the day after maybe some harsh punishment and we were holding a grudge or sulking or something. And he said, kids, you can't be mad at me because I have cancer. Lung cancer. The doctors called this morning. And... It could have been true. I mean, he smoked a pipe for years. He had worked in mines up in Sudbury, Ontario, before we were born. It was, it was plausible, but, I mean, it turned out to be bullshit. And, <laughs> but for the time being, it was impossible to be mad at somebody who might have cancer. 
But after that, it, for our own protection, we couldn't really take the things he said seriously anymore. It just, it's not that we scrutinize the things he said to be true or false. It was just that the shit that dad said went into its own special category. It was the shit that dad said. <laughs> and we just kind of left it there. So one afternoon, we were home from school. We'd come off the bus, and we're watching TV. And The Munsters was on. Do you remember that show? The Munsters. It's a good show. And we were watching The Munsters, and my dad came into the living room, and he stopped, and he stared at the screen, and he said, that's my mom's cousin. <laughs> he was talking about Lily Munster, the star of the show. That's shit the dad said, right? <laughs> my brother and sister and I, mm-hmm. Okay, and then my dad went on to say, yeah, her dad was something like a, a con artist and he was being pursued by the police, so he abandoned the family when she was three and her mother, who had run away from home when she was 16 to be a dancer, made her take dance lessons and then when she was in her teens, they started going to LA and entering her into beauty contests, which she was starting to win, but she was getting deported because she didn't have the right visa and she kept going back, eventually got her green card and started landing all these awesome roles in Hollywood and at the height of her career was known as one of the most beautiful women in Hollywood, even dated an Iranian prince. <sighs> Except a couple of weeks ago, I was compiling all the lies for this piece and I called my mom and I said, well, they're not together anymore, obviously. Said, <laughs> I said, Mom, do you remember when Dad said that Grandma was, Grandma's cousin was Lily Munster? She kind of sighed and said, yeah. I said, do you think there's any truth to that? She kind of laughed and sighed and said, I don't know. <laughs> so I Facebooked my cousin. She lives in the States, and she's a lot closer to that side of the family. She confirmed it. She confirmed it. And not only did she confirm it, she remembers being at my grandma's house when the two of them were chatting on the phone. So they had kept in touch all these years. And she sent me a documentary on her life and it was confirming all these other wild and crazy facts, Iranian prints included. <laughs> and that was the fucked up thing. I mean, you could never be sure. Anything was possible, the horror, and the magic. And you would think that growing up with a pathological liar, I would be steered into something like journalism or science or, I don't know, law, something where you're boiling down facts to come up with some ultimate truth. But I, I read fiction. Like, my life is, is basically lies. And really, I mean, when you think about it, as soon as anyone tells you something, the truth is compromised because memories are faulty and pers perspectives are skewed and the truth is just made up of wishful thinking and fabrications and exaggerations, just composite lies, really, I would say. And the funny thing to me is that in making shit up, in fabricating these external realities, I find that you actually get closer to inner truths, as in it's not the lie itself, that is most telling, but what's kind of beneath or beyond the lie. And if that's the case, 
And it's not the truth that will set you free, it's lies. <laughs> lies will set you free. It's lies that allow magic to happen. It's lies that allow the imagination to flourish. I'm fine with lies. I'm okay with lies. I embrace lies. I'm liberated by lies. It's just that I'm still afraid of spiders and <laughs> I feel much more secure in a household that has a large stock of bananas on hand. <laughs> Thank you. Confabulation, the podcast, is produced by Paula Flalo and hosted by Matt Goldberg. For more on Confabulation, you can check out confabulationmontreal.com or check us out on Facebook, the preferred social platform for everyone whose name is not Paula Flalo. Confabulation, the podcast, is distributed by No More Radio, available every week at nomoradio.com. Support for No More Radio comes from Montreal Improv. You can check them out at montrealimprov.com. 